Yeah, let's get right into it. Let's do it. Hi, I'm Liza. Hi, I'm Megan. Wait. Hi, I'm Liza. I'm the sewing one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Megan. I'm the writing one, and you are listening to There's No Thread. So, Liza. What yes, ta- Megan? <laughs> <laughs> so, Liza. What are we talking about today? Today we are talking about How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the 1966 animated Christmas classic. Specifically, could the Grinch really make that Santa Claus hat and coat, given the materials available and the rules of his world? <laughs> could he really do it? Would he really do it? And finally, should he? Where's the iron? Can mice and birds sew? Oh, oh, Polly, no, don't cut right up on. that dress. This is sewing machine. Where's the iron? Oh my God, I'm Where's the iron? Taffeta. <laughs> Muslin. Ooh, I'd wear that. Is that, that machine even threaded? Mm. Megan, have you seen this movie before? Uh, yeah. Have you seen it as an adult? I feel like I must have because I really like it. But I can't. Re- I can't remember the last time that I saw it. Like I can't place a cozy moment of watching it as an adult. Uh, we've been watching it again since Small Guy has been old enough to see it. Mm. So I've seen it every year for the past few years. Yeah. And then I just watched it again last night. You watched it a couple of days ago. Is it fresh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's as fresh as fresh can be in a, uh, my, my post-COVID brain. <laughs> yes. Um, if Megan sounds extra sexy today. Uh, she had COVID. I had COVID. We both had COVID in November, but not from each other. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we're both negative now, but uh, you may hear, <laughs> or not, maybe we sound like well, this all the time. you sound great. I still sound like death warmed over, but I don't feel that way, and hopefully I'm not. I mean, you look great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Can I read you my two log lines that I wrote? Oh, yeah. Well, the second one Jason mostly wrote. Yeah. The first one is, an angry green creature is offended by Christmas joy until he experiences his own. And it's not... The angry green creature you're thinking of, which is Kermit the Frog. Good. Jason's was, hampered by his own paranoia and isolation, the Grinch sets out to ruin Christmas, only to find that love can never be destroyed. These are very sweet. Yes. You guys are cute. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're pretty good. Yeah. I mean, they don't get the whole thing, but log lines are just supposed to pique your interest. Um, Megan, I want you to guess what you think my favorite moment is in this movie, and I'm going to guess what I think your favorite moment is. In fact, I'm going to go first. And listener, this is also your favorite moment. You win. Um, so Megan, your favorite moment in this movie is when the Who chef comes out and he has the little food dome and then he opens it and a little chef is inside and he walks out onto the table and he opens his food dome and then another little chef walks out and he has a food dome and then smaller and smaller chefs walk out with smaller food domes until the last one opens it up and it's a strawberry, and he presents it to Cindy Lou Who. That's your favorite moment. Am I right? You're right. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. <laughs> um, yeah. Closely followed by the um, presentation of the roast beast. Good. I'm glad I was right on that. I thought I was pretty confident. <laughs> I bet you're going to get mine right, too. Um, oh, gosh. I have no idea, Liza. Um, <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> it's so obvious. Um, I mean, I guess you, your favorite moment is when he cuts the Santa costume. No. Okay, I'm going to tell you. Okay, wait, let me guess again. Okay. Is it when um, he does the big smile? <laughs> no. Tell me more. Um, when I his, think you've got it. When his smile gets, like, so big <laughs> that it takes his whole face. <laughs> Am I close? And even his hair curls. <laughs> yes, that's my, 
absolute favorite moment when he has a terrible, awful idea and his his whole <laughs> face wrinkles up and it just, everything clenches with even his hair curls up on top and he looks, like his eyes go wall-eyed for a second. Like it's yes. so good. It's the best. Yeah. That's my second favorite that's, moment. That's how I feel inside all the time. I'm just like, <laughs> Yes, you're just like, it's like your, your happiness you're turns so away. thrilled with yourself. That it turns cynical it's... and terrible <laughs> and evil. It's just a fine line between joy and evil. Yeah, I just really love that so much. It's so perfectly drawn. Okay, so listener, what we have here is Megan has a sweet moment and I have a <laughs> truly horrific Grinch face. <laughs> I did a bunch of reading up on this. I kept thinking, ooh, I have uncovered a scandal. Mm. But I had not. I'm just going to warn you now, nothing bad happened in the filming of this movie. Oh, good. Um, so here's the, here's what I thought was going to be a scandal. Okay. So Boris Karloff is the voice of sounds and read by Boris Karloff. That's the credit. So I grew up thinking, um, it's really cool how his singing voice is completely different than his speaking voice. And then when I was watching this as an adult, um, tall guy was like, you know, that's not him singing. And I was like, what? (laughs) And um, he was like, no, it's Paul Robeson, but he was blacklisted, so they didn't credit him. Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't know that because it's not true. So I looked it up. Now, Paul Robeson had a really amazing life. He was a professional football player. Mm. He played Othello, and he also had a big Hollywood career, like showboat singing Goldman River and stuff. And he was blacklisted because he was a civil rights leader. Mm. But he has no relationship to this movie. And so, but then when I was like finding that he was unconnected to this, I was like, well, okay, but so who was it? Um, So then I did some more research. Um, Like I had to keep going on this rabbit hole. I was halfway down. And it turns out that the singer was a freelance voice actor named Thurl Ravenscroft. Now his most famous credit is as Tony the Tiger. Okay, so why was he not credited? The, I read a couple articles that said he was accidentally omitted from the credits. And now, you and I both know that credits are scrutinized with such scrutiny. Credits <laughs> Nothing are insane. accidental happens. Credits are insane. There are no accidental omissions from credits, right? No. I mean, I, I, I literally do credits for TV shows. <laughs> like, it's based on contracts. Contracts and first. Maybe a favor, but mostly contracts, like, right? Contracts, a favor, and whatever the network wants, and space and time. There's no room for accident there. Like, that's mapped out more thoroughly than the script, almost. (laughs) All right, so it sounds suspicious, right? Um, So then I was like, okay, well, let's just look at Thurl's IMDb. I mean, he is singing the song, and I left him off the credits. Yeah, he's not credited at all. But then I was like, you know what? Okay, so this is... This movie came out in 1966, and he's a voice artist. Is this normal? And so then I went and looked at his IMDb, and he has just a ton of uncredited work. Okay, so here's a list of his uncredited roles. Monster of the Whale, Pinocchio, 1940. Uh, A card painter in Alice in Wonderland, 1951. In South Pacific, he's an uncredited singing voice. That's from 1958. In Mary Poppins, he's uncredited, but did Hog and Andrew's Whimper. I think maybe Andrew's the dog. <laughs> that was 1964. And then um, the last one that I found for him that was an uncredited role was The Hunchback of Notre Dame, the um, the animated one. Wow. Um, he's uncredited as singer. And so, but then his credited roles are 
He's the mouse voice in Cinderella. That was from 1950. He was the captain in 101 Dalmatians in 1961. So, like, some of his roles were credited, some were not. And I think this is just due to the nature of being a voice actor and a freelancer. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think, too, like, voicing characters has become, like, so many things sort of like a celebrity status thing now. Like, a lot of times you have... That's a good point. You have a name that does the voice. You have a name that does the voice. But I think for decades it was, like, just whoever sounded the best. And, again, if it's not contracted because for whatever reason. I think they kind of want to keep the mystery that the voice is the actual character. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, it really was a whale. Yeah, but it's like why he's credited sometimes and not other times is is fascinating. But yeah, it probably just comes down to, to contracts and to the fact that he wasn't a famous person. So yeah, they and didn't like, really have to. I, for like one brief hot second, had an IMDb page. Um, IMDb is International Movie Database. And people don't generate them for themselves. It just kind of weirdly happens. And the reason that I was listed on IMDb was because um, I was a dresser backstage at the 82nd Annual Academy Awards. And so the fact that I had been involved in patterning, cutting, and construction of the costumes that the showgirls wore, that was completely uncredited. But just being backstage, I actually have names in the credits for the Academy Awards. Yeah. And then that got filtered into IMDb however right well i mean i i know a little bit about this because basically probably what happened is they took the crew list and they just pulled all the names of the contacts off of it and decided that they had the space oh, and just the time. from the contact list That's totally funny. yeah so it is kind of arbitrary in that way and also you can contribute your own credits to imdb there's a specific way that you have to enter them but oh, um, and funny. then they have to approve them yeah. um but many times yeah shows that i have worked on will just kind of show up and i'll or like things that i've you know, written will show up and I'll be like, oh, that's nice. Oh. Other times I've, I've specifically <laughs> added things like this project is, is, is happening. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, it's very arbitrary. And as we were like talking about with, you know, yeah, that can be... it's super interesting that like creation of the project is so seems so much more important than helping get the actors dressed. And yet just because of the way the system works, you know, below the line credits, above the line credits, making it does not ever get credited. The costume shop is not even credited. Yeah. But if you're there in person and on the contact sheet, I guess. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. If you're on the crew list and somebody wants to add you. And I've had times when people like heads of departments, freelance departments will call me and be like, hey, is there a way we can add these people to the credits? And I'll say, let me check. <laughs> and then it's just someone's call. And sometimes it's yes. And sometimes it's no. I read that Chuck Jones, the director, and Ted Geisel. Do you know who Ted Geisel is? I don't. That's Dr. Seuss. So I'm going to get into all their connections. But the two of them were so upset that Thurl Ravenscroft was not um, credited that they took out a full-page ad in Variety magazine explaining it. Which I thought was nice. That is nice. But, um, okay, but here's the part that I thought was a scandal. And it turned out to not be a scandal. Um... All right, so Boris Karloff is credited, and okay, we all know Boris Karloff was Frankenstein, right? That's, did oh, you yes. know that? Yes. <laughs> Megan completely knew I know already everything. that Boris Karloff, <laughs> we know well, the reason he's famous is because he was Frankenstein. Okay, but anyway, Boris Karloff was credited as the voice and narrator. Thurl Ravenscroft was not credited. Boris Karloff won a Grammy for 
How the Grinch Stole Christmas. What? Yes. And so that was when I thought it was a scandal that I was like, oh, snap. He got a Grammy off is that, that, and is that's the not his voice singing. Yeah. I don't think so, because he he was, at this point in his career, in Boris Karloff's career, he was doing spoken word records. And so the Grammy is for... The speaking uh, part. Recording for children. It's not necessarily... The song. Children's songs. Yeah. Okay. It's... But it certainly but sounds it, that way. It sounds that way. And it's yeah. the whole, and the album isn't just his voice. It would be the soundtrack of the TV special. Mm. Um, so that super sounded like a scandal. But then just the more like research I did, it was like, no one was trying to hide that Thurl Ravenscroft did this work. In fact, they were, they took steps to make sure he was credited after the fact, although no one's ever gone back in and added his name to the credits. Mm. And also, it doesn't sound like Thurl Ravenscroft expected to get credit. So it wasn't like he was snubbed. Yes. You know? Well, this is another thing that's interesting, is that, like, the importance of credits over time has only increased, right? So it's like, how important is it that people might see your name for two seconds? There's no IMDb, there's no streaming, there's no internet, there's no, like, place where you can just, like, Google a person and give a shit about what they've accomplished or yeah. not accomplished. So maybe he just didn't care and now of course it matters i'm gonna go get into a little bit of how everybody's connected because this just brings us back to this whole there is no scandal everything was like kind of awesome with this which is so uh heartwarming because i love this movie and i don't want to i'm not looking i'm i'm glad the scandal is not really a scandal Mm -hmm. okay so um chuck jones and ted geisel are uh, directors producers chuck jones he's legendary he is every cartoon you watch as a as a kid Unless it was Disney, you know. I read um, his autobiography, which is called Chuck Amuck. (laughs) And I wanted to read this little quote from it because it's so fun. Chuck Jones credits his artistic bent to his father, who was an unsuccessful businessman in California in the 1920s. His father would start every new business venture by purchasing new stationery and new pencils with a company name on them. When the business failed... His father would quietly turn to the huge stacks of useless stationery and pencils and give them to the children, requiring them to use up all the material as fast as possible. Like he would tell them, you can't draw on the backs. You have to draw on the fronts only. Armed with an endless supply of high quality paper and pencils, the children drew constantly. Later in one art school class, the professor gravely informed the students that they each had 100,000 bad drawings in them and they must first get past those 100,000 bad drawings before they could possibly draw anything worthwhile. Jones recounted years later that this pronouncement came as a great relief to him as he was well past the 200,000 mark, having used up all that stationery. Jones and several of his siblings went on to artistic careers. Um, That is so cool. Isn't that cool? I mean, that's the kind of thing that, like, teachers will say, like, oh, you've got... 10,000 hours. 10,000 horrible things you're going to make. Yeah. Plow through them. Yeah. And you're like, well, thank God I'm well with that. And he's just like, I already did it. (laughs) I am. (laughs) I really love that. Okay, so, and Ted Geisel, who is, of course, Dr. Seuss. The the way that they know each other, because this is another thing, is I was like, how does Mr. Bugs Bunny know Dr. Seuss? (laughs) And this is so wild to me. Um, they worked on the private snafu uh, cartoons, which were classified army cartoons shown to soldiers in World War II. Wow. Uh, 
In World War II, they had a bunch of soldiers that they not only needed to entertain and get the information in, like it couldn't be boring, but it also couldn't be like a wordy pamphlet. Mm -hmm. And so they started making these cartoons. And the the star of the cartoons was Private Snafu, who was always um, doing everything wrong. And so these these cartoons, you can find them on YouTube now. We watched a couple last night. They're uh, so bizarre. (laughs) That is really fascinating. We watched one on rumors. And one on malaria, because that was a real problem, was like... Rumors? Like like, like what to believe and what not to believe? Like, don't, of... don't spread rumors and cause a panic in your barracks. Oh, yeah. It's unfounded. Like, if you know it's coming, don't tell anybody. Or if you hear, <laughs> if if you think you've heard something, don't spread it, because it's probably not true. Don't spread yeah. unverified stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, really, we should get some of those cartoons going now. <laughs> totally. Yeah. They need to reinstate Snafu and yeah. the... Uh... Do you know... You've heard the the term snafu before, right? Yeah. Do you know that it's an acronym? No. So it, the it's a military acronym for situation normal, all fucked up. Oh my god. And and part of this is because the military knew if you want to get all these young soldiers to listen, you have to have some sexy ladies in these cartoons. Mm, you have preach. to use some some sort of racy language. Mm. In fact, um, Monroe Leaf. The author who wrote Ferdinand, which I love so much, that kid's book about the bull who doesn't mm. want a bullfight. Yeah. He was a consultant on some of these um, wartime materials, and he was like, hey, look, you got to make it racy. Mm. These young men, men in general, <laughs> like... Yeah. They want to party. <laughs> yeah, I just love that, like... And, the, and they're yeah. about to go about as far away from party as they possibly can, so you got to remind them. Yeah. If you want them to remember, retain yeah. this information. This is waiting for you when you get back. You gotta. This is how you're gonna you gotta make it. How to get back? <laughs> Involve cuss words. Chuck Jones and Ted Geisel worked together on the Private Snafu cartoons, and then in 1957, like well after the war, um, Ted Geisel, Dr. Seuss, wrote How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and then in 1965, the Charlie Brown Christmas special came out, hmm. and um. So Chuck Jones was like, uh, hey, I think I should do one of those two. Um, hey, Ted Geisel, let's make that book you wrote, that Christmas book. Yeah, so yeah, so it's just really like Chuck Jones liked uh, Dr. Seuss. Ne- they, neither of them were fighting for artistic control of this show, which is interesting, too, because the TV special is what we think of as the Grinch. Like the, I have the book right here on our table. Yeah. And there are a lot of things that are very different from the book. The, there's no color. Well, and Megan, name out the colors that you see in this book. Red, pink, white, black. Right. So the Grinch is not green. (laughs) The Grinch became green for the TV special. I had a moment of anxiety that I couldn't do that. No one oh my has God. ever yelled what colors at are me they? to yell out. I was like, do I? Because I, I am like a little slow today. And I was like, do I still know colors? <laughs> is that red? What's she going to ask me next? <laughs> and also like Cindy Lou Who is in, like mm. you can see her on the back page or on the last page, um, is kind of a weird bug-like creature in the book. <laughs> She's not cute. We think of her as cute because she is cute in the TV special. Yeah. So I think that's really wonderful that um, it, it's Dr. Seuss and Chuck Jones, and they're working together, and they created this thing that is, like, just furthers the original source material. It doesn't negate it. It doesn't, um, it, it's, like, just extends it. It doesn't make it and worse. It makes it better. It doesn't, uh, yeah, it doesn't denigrate it in any way. It's sort of the dream to take source material and then expand it to its best possible self in a different medium. Yeah, yeah and have all parties 
be happy with it. And everybody's happy and on the same page, quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Okay. So I think that's enough history. That was a lot of history, Liza. You kind of killed it. This I, is not a history yeah. of Hollywood podcast. <laughs> but while you're here, let Liza drop some knowledge bombs. Well, uh, you know, I had to, I, I had to know. So now you have to know also. (laughs) No, I like it. I mean, I I like to know, but I really like to be told what to know. And now you know. I'm really the perfect (laughs) co-host. Sure, you are. Just tell me what to think. Megan, you're the perfect (laughs) co-host. Tell me what to know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. Uh, Speaking of Megan being the perfect co-host, Megan, can you describe the sewing moment in How the Grinch Stole Christmas? He... uh, just has a great idea that he wants to kind of go down there and get all their shit and ruin Christmas. And what he's got to do is um, become Santa Claus. Santa. Santa Claus. Yeah. They're real clear. Even in the book, it's not Santa Claus. It's Santa because they kind of wanted to keep it away from like any canonical Christmas ideas, like no religion, no Santa Claus specifically, but related. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I kind of identify, you know, like we were talking about Sound of Music, when you're a kid, you identify with the kids, and when you're an adult, you identify with um, Mm -hmm. Maria. Well, in this case, I I felt the Grinch a little bit, because as much as I like to, like, sing and be happy, like, I don't need to see that from other people. Anyway, so he, um, I keep looking behind me like it's going to give me answers. So basically, like, he gets up. He's feeling pretty sassy. He hears all the singing. It makes him feel worse. And, like, he's going to put a stop to this. I know. He, he knows the singing's coming. Yeah. He's not even... He's just anticipating it. And yeah. It. And the the writer question is always, well, why is this happening and why is this happening now? And now I can't remember. Is there something specific that happens this Christmas that really no, bothers he, him? Or is he's just had it? He's he's had enough? He's just sick of it? He's <laughs> just... <laughs> He's like, not this year, who's? <laughs> yeah, he's like, um, I'm done. Uh, so, yeah, so he gets, you know, fortunately he has his little dog who is so adorable. And I was actually, I was wondering, I was like, God, if this was remade, would he be able to get away with being as mean to the dog as he is in this one? He's like, it's like borderline animal abuse. Yeah, so he just cuts out the shape of himself, mm-hmm. which is brilliant. I mean, if I was to make something... Which I guess I'm going to today. <laughs> the logic in my mind would be, oh, just cut out the shape. Just walk up to a curtain and start cutting. Yeah. Okay, Megan, I want you to turn around and do this. Okay. I've chosen for you these 12-inch scissors <sighs> because the Grinch, his scissors look like they're about the size of his forearm. So I got my biggest pair, which is a 12-inch scissor. Yeah. Um, these used to be my main pair of scissors, but they are, um, like, I think if I were working regularly now, I would not use them because they're just so heavy. These are terrifying. But at the time I was like, I am badass with these scissors. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd use like an eight inch pair now. Okay. So he kind of starts in the, down here. Um, yeah. He just sort of dives. And now I think this is going to be physically impossible, but he just sort of dives in. Okay. Okay. All right. So there's a hat. Oh my God. This reminds me of when I was in France and this was like, in college and I was visiting all my friends that were French majors and they made me read French so they could all laugh at me. (laughs) Oh no. Literally I went to a 24 hour party on like the south coast of France and the next morning everyone's hungover and someone hands me a magazine and it's like read this and everyone's like oh Oh, my god. Okay I'm sorry but so uh what I see from here is oh my fucking god. Quite not unlike the original 
Now, the, the, it, the main issue with uh, cutting something directly out of a hanging curtain uh, is that in reality, gravity will make all of it droop downward. Mm. <laughs> and in a cartoon, all of those shapes stay up. So when you're cutting the sleeve out and then you cut up into the body and then you cut back down, the little triangle of fabric stays pointing upward. And in the real world, it doesn't do that. True. Uh, Megan, thanks for doing that. I know that was um, really scary. <laughs> but actually, I'm, I'm proud of the shirt. All right. So Megan, Megan just did it. And that was awesome. So could the Grinch make this costume? So Liza, could the Grinch make this costume? Um, okay, so could the Grinch make this costume? Um, he's got four issues, which are time, skills, supplies, and isolation. For time, this is a really basic outfit. Um, listener, Megan just basically cut out half of it. <laughs> In the movie, we see him cut out a triangle-ish shape for a hat and a shirt-ish shape for the, sh the coat. Uh, that's just half of it. He would also need to cut a second half of the hat and a second half of the coat to make the whole thing. And then... Um, right, there's a the backside. There's a backside, <laughs> which that happens off camera. Um, now, this is a really basic garment, and then it's trimmed with... Um, there's trim at the bottom and the top and the sleeves. And then off camera, he also makes a pair of shoes that are red with Ooh, the trim. Yeah. Yeah, that happens completely off camera as well. Mm, okay. Um, this, uh, aside from the shoes, the shoes would be a little bit more difficult, but the coat and hat, I mean, he could easily whip that up in an afternoon. So mm. he's got the time. If he has his grumpy moment in the beginning where he says, I've got to stop Christmas from coming, and then at night he's out there stealing all their stuff, right. he's got plenty of time. He can do that. Um, the uh, costume's not going to be very comfortable to wear because it's completely flat in front, completely flat in the back, the arms, are, he doesn't have sleeves. The arms are in one with the front and back of the jacket. So, like, when he reaches forward, the back of the coat won't have that much room for his arms. Mm. It'll pull tight in the back, and it'll be all, like, wadged up in the front of his arm. Yeah. But he's already grumpy. He doesn't, like, his socks are already too tight. Or his shoes. His Grinch shoes are too tight. I, I don't think that. he... I think when you have... Because I have kind of big arms. I experience that all the time. Of like, like you buy something stuff that fits... being too yeah, snug in the back. It fits everywhere and then you go like this. <laughs> and you cannot even lift your arms over your head. I feel for the Grinch. Also, I mean, I know he's got a lot of fur and stuff, but it seems like he'd be kind of cold if it was just like... Since he's not wearing pants at all? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I also like how, like... um really totally unflattering this outfit is oh my god but he loves himself in this yeah, outfit he when really he's is. looking in the mirror he is like yes all about that confidence <laughs> which i think is a testament to how clothing can make people so happy that's true you know it, it gets like materialism whatever gets a yeah. bad rap but i'm telling you look good feel good <laughs> you know i mean like here i am this first day i've gotten fully dressed in 17 days and i left the house Husband was like, Bam, you look good. And I was like, well, I want to see my, my sister. <laughs> and I feel like a human today. Um, okay, so now, Megan, I have um, to show you something that you're going to laugh at me about so much. Okay, I want you to describe for the listener. Uh, I'm showing you a screenshot from the movie. I'm going to show you two screenshots. It's Max the dog doing something. I want you to tell us what he's in and what he's doing. I think that's the hat fluff, right? 
Yeah, so that's what ends up on the costume, the, the fluff. The, the, the fluff around the hat and the fluff around the wrists, right? So, but can you, I mean, you've seen this movie, so what is he getting the fluff out of? The pillow? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's a pillow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have to tell you, my entire childhood, up until I started watching this with my child, I thought that that was a covered bathtub. I have no idea why. I thought that oh, it was a bubble bath. I thought that until I just said pillow. Wait, what? You thought when that When I too? said pillow, I was like, oh, this is another example of me fucking forgetting what is in the movie. Because when I was a kid, I was like, why is he in bubbles? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, and then he, and then Max sticks his head out and he's got a mouthful of bubbles. That's what I thought, too. And then too. the Grinch takes them and sews them on. And it's just like added magic of like, this is so funny that he's sewing bubbles on the costume and that you can sew bubbles. I really thought, I thought you were going to say... Liza, you're nuts. That's always obviously a pillow because he's on the bed. Even just now, I was like, "This is the other weird thing is, is I never that? figured out that this is." I thought he was on the floor. It looks like a child's bathtub. That's like, what I thought it was—a child's yeah. bath. And like, but then I was like, "Why would a child's bath be covered? That makes no sense. I've never seen a covered yeah. bath." Okay, I can't believe that you thought that too, um, yeah, listener. I, if you thought that the Grinch was sewing bubbles on the Santa Claus hat and coat, please let us know so that we don't feel like we're weirdos. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so then here's a screenshot of him sewing and the, the the what I thought was the bubbles, bubbles on, yeah. but it's stuffing. I mean, I see it now that it's it's stuffing from a pillow, and the clues that we have that it's stuffing from a pillow are it's the pillow on the bed. <laughs> but like, why is this shape so weird? Like a pillow would have be a square and have seams. It is shape weird. I think we're seeing it from the side. So mm. this is the seam. If, if it's like the square on top and the square on the bottom of the pillow. Okay. We're seeing the side view. Yeah. Oh, that's so wild. And he's just sewing the bubbles right on. Yeah. But it's yeah, really and I, cotton I fluff. Thought... It's really batting on a pillow. And in you, a pillow. Yeah. And you totally just think, oh, this works for the world that we're in. Yeah. In this world, it's totally believable that the Grinch can sew uh, bubbles onto a costume and wear it for an entire night worth of burglary and then <laughs> to dinner the next morning. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't, I can't believe you thought that, too. Okay. So we talked about time. He's got plenty of time. We've talked about, uh, okay, so even like, even if we throw in hand sewing, bubbles slash uh, batting, cotton fluff, he's still got plenty of time. He can do that in the afternoon. Um, If we talk about, his next issue is skills. (laughs) One of my favorite parts about this movie is that um, since 1966, kids have been watching a male character sew with absolute confidence every year as part of their Christmas experience. The sewing is no challenge. It is no speed bump to his entire big old bigger plan. Yeah. Of we're gonna I'm gonna ruin Christmas. Um, and I, I just think that's such a great thing that I mean that's what, fifty six years that kids have been regularly just like this is part of everyone's cultural background. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know, because he really does get in there with the sewing machine. You know, that part seems... Yeah. I mean, you can tell now me. I have one issue which is um don't put pin cushions and pins in your mouth. Never mm. put anything in your mouth. I don't care what your job is or what your hobby is or what you're doing. This is a PSA, guys. Don't put that stuff in your mouth. Nothing, Nothing goes in your mouth. I Nothing don't want to see mouth. you lick your finger and turn pages. Ugh, stop doing I don't want to see your pencil in your mouth. Stop doing that. I don't want to see you open a bobby pin with your mouth. Don't use your hands to mix a salad. Oh, uh, Don't use your mouth for that either. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Just, sorry.
Sorry, just on a tangent of grossness. Just speaking of things that are gross, don't do that either. <laughs> oh my god, the licking of the finger to turn the page was such a big thing when yeah. we were growing up. I think people don't do that as much anymore. That was like an old person thing. Licking the finger and wiping someone's face too. But I guess that's the thing that parents that's do a to kids. Parent thing, which I unacceptable. I've probably done like once, but I'm trying not to do that. I mean, I feel like it still happens. The other to thing me. is everybody's got a water bottle now. So yeah. if I need to spray your child. if I need to <laughs> super soap. I'll just open up the bottle and throw some water at him. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um yeah, Grinch, uh don't don't make the dog hold the pincushion. Don't keep pins in your mouth. They're both doing it in this movie. Yeah, that's a, like a one way trip to sudden death, right? Like if you swallow a needle, like what happens? It goes straight to your brain. Here we go into supplies. Okay. All right. So for supplies, he has got Scissors. He's got a pin cushion and pins. He's got several spools of thread. Mm. Two of them are pink. One of them is red. He's got fabric. But I want to talk about his sewing machine. So he's got a... Um, this kind of machine that he has is called a treadle because the it's got that tread or pedal mm. that... Um, so satisfying to yeah. that be pushed on. So the deal with these is they were um, most common in the late Victorian era, and so they're not electric. Okay. So you're you're pushing the treadle up and down, a thing goes up to the wheel, and the up and down motion makes the wheel go around and around, and then there's something that happens in the side of the machine, and then it go, that makes the needle go up and down and the bobbin, so the threads work together. Voila. Amazing. Um, I kind of, in some ways, I kind of am like, we should bring back the treadle, because it, it, I mean, <laughs> we're all at the mercy of our power grid now. Yeah. When the power grid goes down. The sewing machine goes down with it. Same with let's bring my paper and pencil, which you're doing. <laughs> right you like my crazy notes right here with my paper and it. pencil? I'm Nothing like, is printed out. If the power goes down, we can still, well, I guess we can't record, we but would, we can at least talk about it. We would have it. to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> we could just mail it. Um, so, uh, the, the yeah, the sewing machine, it's a treadle machine and with this ornate gold uh, scroll work design all over the black machine and it has the 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 treadle and the legs are like really beautiful wrought iron mm. these are real these really exist in our world so the fact that they exist in the Grinch's world makes me wonder did the Grinch's world have a Victorian era did they have a Queen Victoria <laughs> did they have an industrial revolution because like the Who's have a refrigerator mm -hmm. and they have ice cubes and they have canning, mm -hmm. and the Grinch has a sewing machine. And so obviously like, electricity, because all the lights. But apparently they don't have roads. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> what is going on in the world of the Grinch that... <laughs> it's just, it's really yeah. interesting to think about, like... What are the rules of this world? What are the rules of this They're, world? They are completely inconsistent. Um, so now he's standing up to do his sewing, and he's having Max run the treadle. Which, um, there are some people that like to stand to sew. Like, if your back hurts, you can put the sewing machine up higher. Mm. Um, it's sort of weird that he's having Max run the treadle, though, because he obviously has a stool, because later Max is standing on it with the pincushion in his mouth. Max is the dog. Max is the dog, yeah. So the main question here is, uh, can a dog's tail go through a sewing machine? Oh. What do you I think? I hate that part. <laughs> you hate it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, in real life, a dog's tail obviously can't go through a sewing machine because um too thick dogs have bones oh yeah and that too that part did stress me out as a child and it kind yeah. of still stressed me out yeah um well you you can rest assured now 
Uh, obviously, Max wasn't hurt by this, so in this world, mm-hmm. he's fine, and it wouldn't even be possible at all in our world, so everything's cool with that. Uh, yeah, so the Grinch's last problem is isolation. Um, I was really hoping before I watched this last night to talk about it that we only saw from the Grinch's mountain down to Whoville, because I really liked the idea that if we were to zoom out in the other direction, we would see that the Grinch was the last cave in a whole suburb of Grinch Cave neighborhood, <laughs> and that maybe there was a Joanne's Fabrics down the street <laughs> where he's getting his thread and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but that was not the case. We actually do zoom out and we see his little mountaintop, Mount Crumpet, and then the little Who village down below. So he really is very isolated. So then, then the question is, how does he get his supplies? Reindeer are scarce. So we're not getting reindeer delivery. No. Do we have drones? No. I mean, do we? (laughs) No. Um, everything in his house looks old. Nothing looks new. Maybe uh, he's just, do you think it's just well-stocked? Like, what does he eat? How does, where does he grocery shop? Somewhat oh, in some... maybe there used to be a gondola. Mm. And so he could ride the gondola down to a different town, not Whoville, because Whoville doesn't seem to have any stores. Yeah. Maybe, maybe there's a little road that we haven't seen where the Whovillians can go get their stuff. Whovillian, I like that. Mm-hmm. Sorry. But, um, yeah, I'm going to go with, there used to be a gondola. Other than, I, I think otherwise, there was a gondola, and then he, he got what he needed, and he cut that shit. Oh, yeah, because he was like... Nobody's coming out. We're Dundala. Yeah. We're <laughs> <laughs> Actually, watching this last night, I was I was just like, I'm so glad they used Boris Karloff for the narration, because it is so delightful to hear um, Frankenstein have to say all this, like, Dr. Seuss nonsense. Yeah. All these words, all these hilarious words. It's so great to hear this man's voice have to walk through them Rumble with that yeah. love it <laughs> so seamlessly say it yeah yeah okay so just to recap could he so time yes skills yes supplies yes and he's isolated but it doesn't seem to be a problem so yes he could do this mm. all right so let's move on to uh megan would he do this would he yes Would the Grinch make this Santa Claus hat and coat? Liza, he definitely would. This is the most motivated and focused he has been in a long time. You can really tell that, like, this is a guy that's looking for a passion project. This is a guy that's looking for something yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, like I always say, you know, dudes need stuff to do. And <laughs> when they don't have anything to do, they just get angry. Um, I mean, ladies too, but, like, whatever. I won't go down that road, but all I'm saying is he needs something to do. He suddenly realized he can focus his energy on destroying Christmas and making this costume is like the best he's ever felt. I mean, look at the passion, the engagement, the speed. I absolutely think that he would do this. Um, Yeah, I agree. He clearly loves some crazy schemes. I mean, just the, like the crazy scheme of ruining Christmas is so crazy that it's good evidence of he loves a crazy scheme and he would also make this entire costume to go along with his other crazy scheme of ruining Christmas. Yeah, and the fact that he looks so damn good is just like a byproduct of yeah. his skills. He's like, I'm ready. You know, it's kind of like, I mean, every time you make something, are you just like, damn, girl, did it again? Uh, sometimes, although sometimes whenever I make it, I'm like, well, I immediately hate this. and then oh, it has, really? And then it has to cool for a while. And then I come back around to it and I'm like, no, this is good. 
That's like Jason when he makes, like, he does, like, these breads. <laughs> he'll, he's so hard on himself with cooking, and he'll pull stuff out of the oven. He'll be like, it's it's, it's garbage. Gar- throw and I'm, like, the sitting there, like, shoveling it in my face, like, so delicious. It just had to, just has to set for a second. Or, like, so you just have to he has to walk away set. from it. Yeah, it's like, you got to do some distance. Yeah. That's um, how I feel sometimes about clothing that I make my, for myself. But, yeah, I love that the Grinch does not have that at all. Not he's a like, touch. He's, like, look, just admiring himself. I think you nailed Did it. Did I answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so the Grinch is motivated to make this Santa Claus hat and coat. Should he? Should the Grinch make this costume? I mean, if I agree that he should make this costume, then I agree he should crash Christmas. No, I'm going to answer it. No, he should not make this costume. It's completely unnecessary to his plan. His plan is to go in at night and steal all the stuff when no one's awake. There's no reason for him to dress up. <laughs> well, I don't know when Cindy Lou comes out and says, Santa Claus, what are you doing? If he but... was just a butt naked Grinch, she might start screaming. <laughs> but he doesn't even have a lie ready. It's as if he was like, oh, no, she thinks I'm Santa Claus. What do I do? Like, he wasn't ready for that. But he, he does... has a lie ready. What did he say back to her, though? He said, um, well, oh, he I've to... got to clean the tree, right? He has to think of a lie, and he thinks it up quick, and he's, like, all chewing his nails and yeah. freaking out, and then he said, he says there's a light on one side. Oh, right, right. Clean the tree. <laughs> I did watch this, I swear. <laughs> he's got to do something to do something. <laughs> I disagree. I think he needed to make this, because on the off chance he had run into more than one child, he would need a cover story. Not that uh, anyone was being convinced that he was indeed Santa. I don't know. I think it's utterly unnecessary. Yeah. He's having so much fun. I mean, I love that he steals. He doesn't just steal all the Christmas stuff. He also steals. Um, gosh, I made a list of all the weird things. Oh, here it is. Well, that's my, like my second favorite part is when he steals the roast beast. Yes. So he steals crumb. the film out of the camera, <laughs> the light bulbs, the ice cubes. Oh, God. And the roast beast. I mean, that's great, too. And the hoo-hash. Like, he's just cleaning them out of yeah. not just the Christmas stuff, but everything. He's setting the bar so low that when he... Like, he's taking so much stuff that when he actually returns all the stuff, they're just so grateful. I mean, he really is Santa Claus at that moment. Yeah. Do you think that that was his hidden plan, even hidden from himself, that he wanted so badly to be involved that he made himself be Santa? Yeah, it's like you create a problem. It's like, look, here's a problem over here that I've totally created. Let me fix it. Yeah, and then everybody I'm will love star. me because I fixed it. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> but yes, I mean, I think that anytime a character is purposely isolated to that degree, they don't want to be, but they're like, it's like a self-fulfilling they prophecy. They have to pretend that yeah. they're okay Like, I don't want it. anybody. I don't need anyone. Oh, look, no one likes me. That's fine. Like, it just keeps on going, and then they are totally alone, and how did that happen? Yeah. But really, he just wants to be part of the party. So, rapid-fire recap. Could he? Yes. Would he? Yes. Should he? No. Yes. Disagree. Yes. Maybe. (laughs) You've been listening to There's No Thread. If you'd like to see pictures related to the episode, please follow us on Instagram at There's No Thread. You may also see me sew, which is incredible. (laughs) Are you going to sew? No, that's what that was. That is not sewing. Cutting! Whatever. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm going to put this whole pincushion in my mouth. <laughs> Don't, do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Nothing goes in your mouth. If you would like to suggest a movie, our email is there's no thread at iCloud.com. Uh, speaking of, we just watched Edward Scissorhands. Hmm. And I 
like the one thing he does not cut with his scissor hands is fabric. <gasps> Bummer, bro. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I think he snips the thread of a button one time, but I don't think that's enough. Can I read you a review that is from our brother? Oh my God, our brother is the cutest. <laughs> and we didn't even boss him into leaving us a five-star review. He just did it. He says, uh, sisters, lovely and enjoyable breakdown of the iconic movie. This was in reference to our Sound of Music episode. You all really went deep. On the discussion of singing the scales with dough, there is a concept of movable dough and fixed dough. Movable dough allows us to sing the major scale beginning on any note. Quite useful for practicing range and singing in different keys. Fixed dough begins and ends only on the note C, I think. That music degree was a long time ago. That's our review from our brother. That is so cute and <laughs> lot of, very clarifying. As we discussed in our last episode, we don't know anything about, or I don't know any, how singing works, <laughs> including I that know. I thought Boris Karloff could sing like Thurl Ravenscroft. All right, Les, this was awesome. All right. Happy okay. holidays. Sweet listener, do not let Rona come down the chimney this Christmas. And do not let Rona light your menorah. <laughs> don't kiss Rona on New Year's Eve. Rona is still out there thriving. This is a PSA. For, so from our um, negative selves to your hopefully forever negative self, <laughs> don't get Rona. Especially if you ain't got it yet. Um, Keep fighting that good fight. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Keep it threaded.